0: Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. Now, today we're going to actually address some questions we've been getting, so it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. Now, Leslie and Timothy, I, over the weekend, was kind of just looking at some of my old reporter stuff, cleaning out my computer and went back and looked and how I used to go out in all these different types of weather and how I am glad that I don't have to do that anymore. But then I was thinking about you, Timothy, and our other clients. You guys still have to do that because you have to train your dogs and keep their skills up every day.
1: Yeah. Sometimes it could be a rough little thing, especially in the summertime. Down here in Georgia, we can have temperatures anywhere from 95 to 104. So what I do with Glacier, uh, I take her out early in the morning. It's still, it's even still in the dark. And uh, we uh, travel our neighborhood. It's just to keep her cool. And uh, then sometimes I get dropped off downtown. Like I, I do the same normal stuff, just at a different time of the day. I will not work her if it's over 90 degrees. Now, if we've got to go somewhere, we've got to go somewhere. If we got to go on, i got to go to the doctor or whatever. But I don't go out of my way to put her in any stressful or harmful weather it's like when it snowed in the winter time i was freaking out here in georgia because glacier and i never experienced that so i asked some of my friends who have guide dogs do i need to put little booties on her feet because i know i would want booties on my feet <laughs> and they're saying no we don't do it unless it's at a certain temperature or below that uh because they're these dogs are designed for the cold because i heard that they come they're they're from the northern part of canada i guess they were bred from that area. So they're used to it. They love the cold weather. So I was freaking out because of the snow. So I just, it just depends on your situation and uh, where you live and how bad it's going to get. I mean, it's, I ask questions myself to still today.
2: And it's, it's a good point, Christina, that clients, everybody still has to get out and go to doctor's appointments. Like you mentioned, Timothy, or get to school or wherever it is, pick up their kids from school or daycare. So clients still have to get out, whether it's snowing, whether it's raining, whether it's a beautiful sunshine day, which as we know for some of our clients, actually sunshine is terrible. It's it's really bright and it can be painful to their eyes. So if we're thinking about the traveler and not the guide dog perspective, sometimes those sunny days aren't so fun. Um, but our clients still have to absolutely get out there and travel in all these conditions. And it's it's slightly different for each person and depending on if they're using a guide dog or if they're using a cane. So as you mentioned, Timothy, you know, you still want to get out there. You're getting up early in the morning if you have to to get Glacier out. But clients with a cane do have a little bit more leeway, right? So there's those yeah, pros and yeah, cons between guide dog and cane. Yeah. yeah. A cane you can put in the corner.
1: And with glacier, I have to, in the summertime, I have to carry a backpack full of water and and bowls. So halfway through I get water if it's hot enough and stuff like that. So I've always got to carry, I call her a little diaper bag.
0: So that's <laughs> what I hold And that's something I would have never thought about, that you have to bring all this stuff for the dog. So not only, you know, wherever you're going, you're bringing your items, you're bringing your dog's items as well, items for Glacier. I guess another question that we've been getting in that I have myself is like, you know, a lot of people like to hike or go in different elevations and environments, is that, you know, do you have to learn and teach Glacier these different types of environments as well?
1: Well, Glacier, she likes to go on little hikes when we go camping and stuff. And so I really keep her off the harness when we do that, because I want to have her little freedom of that so she can sniff if she wants to. I don't want to work her during it. So I want her to have fun because we're having fun. Uh, It's not always got to be working with Glacier all the time. Let her be a dog once in a while. So uh, I do do that with her, and then again, I still gotta you know watch for snakes and stuff like that because she'll find one if I don't if I don't watch out.
2: <laughs> so can you explain that a little bit? The difference between when glacier is working and not working. I think that's an interesting topic for people to understand what glacier's responsibilities are.
1: Well, her, her responsibilities when she's working is go through the grocery stores, doctor, church. Uh, if I'm going to a restaurant or whatever, but if I'm a relaxed weekend, say I'm camping, that weekend she might work a little bit, like take me to the bathroom or the sh- to the shower at nighttime, but the rest of the weekend she's off. I give her a time off to be a dog, and she gets to play in the lake, she gets to you know do whatever she wants to do as long as it's in a safe uh, environment. So she is allowed to be a dog, and she loves the lake, you know, because she's a lab and she gets to enjoy that lake.
2: How does Glacier know when she's working or when she's not working?
1: Man, when you put that harness on, it's like a switch. She knows when she gets that harness on, she's working and she's excited to go to work. Uh, when the we had a film crew here earlier this year at my house, uh they asked the same question and when I put that harness on her and we went out there and filmed they could see the difference in how excited she was and when she got in that she was you know she pulled she's a good puller and she was uh pulling like to beat the band that day And it's because mm-hmm. all the excitement I believe of the crew and stuff but I told her that's how you see the excitement and when she's working when that harness is put on her it's like a switch so she knows she's got a job to do
0: Timothy, that just blows my mind that you're saying it's like a switch. I would love to see that in person someday, because most of the time when I'm at work, I see the dogs training. So I don't really get to see their playtime too much, because when I'm with that training team, I'm filming them training. Um, So that's something I want to see myself. So, you know, I'm going to just come down to Georgia and visit you, okay?
1: And well, then- <laughs> I've, I've got two bedrooms. I can put you in one. So, I can All right. Bring Perfect. Leslie with you, too. Yeah. Yes. yeah,
2: we'll have a little reunion. <laughs> so talking about, you know, observing training, they're doing the same thing. They are taking the dogs out in all seasons, all weather conditions, getting out there and practicing and working the dog. So the dogs are prepared to go out in whatever environment. You know, our dogs go to Texas in the, in the heat, and they go to – Florida and they go up north in the the UP here in Michigan and the colder weather too. So our trainers are out there in all the weather conditions with all the gear and same thing with our O&M clients. So our cane clients who are here uh, working on those cane skills, we as O&M instructors are still out there in all of the weather conditions, whether it's raining, snowing, sleeting, hailing, all of it, we're still taking clients out because they're still going to have to get to appointments in those types of weather conditions and things change
1: I was going to ask you a question. How does a blind person use a cane if the sidewalk is three or four or five, six inches deep in snow?
2: Yeah, great question. So there's lots of different cane tips and different cane techniques that we use in order to travel in different conditions. You know, snow is very different than traveling, of course, on the beach in the sand. Um, so there's different techniques and different cane tips again. But uh, a strategy that we use for cane travel is to, uh, the, the tapping technique or the two-point touch, if you will, and want to get technical. Um, but with each tap, kind of a tap and then also a push down to really try to get down to make sure that we're still on the cement and haven't, you know, ventured into the the grass or anything like that. But those conditions are really really difficult to travel And another thing to think about is the sound difference so when you you know you get that fresh snow it really absorbs a lot of sound information so that's going to impact travel versus a, a day where it's raining when it's raining there's extra sounds because not only are we hearing the environment but we're hearing the rain hit and interact with the environment. So these are things that I don't think many people think about, but when you're traveling without vision and it's a rainy day, you're hearing the rain hit the cars. You're hearing the rain hit the mailbox next to you. You're hearing the rain um, as it, you know, is on the tires of cars going by. You're hearing it in puddles as you're sloshing through it. So all of those sounds can be really beneficial, right? They can tell you about the environment of what's around you can also be somewhat distracting sometimes. So it's important to still get out and train and practice in all these conditions because it's just the reality of our clients' lives that they're going to be out in these types of adverse weather.
0: That is such a great thing to know. I never even thought about rain. I just, you know, I go out in the rain, I don't wanna be out in the rain, (laughs) I have an umbrella, but I don't think about all the other sounds that I'm hearing out there. So I think that's such a good thing to know too especially if you run into someone who is traveling with a cane or guide dog in the rain to know there's extra sounds going on for them right now and to announce yourself and to, you know, offer assistance if it's needed as well. So I think that's such a great learning tool as well. And Leslie, you touched on cane tips. Now, can you explain a little bit for someone who has no idea what that is?
2: Yes. Yeah. So cane tips are the bottom of the cane um, and they're changeable. So, a lot of times you might see like a round ball. Uh, you might see a very skinny, we call like a pencil tip that almost just looks like, like a straight line, if you will. Um, there is one that almost looks like a donut or a hockey puck. There's even a bigger one that's a Dakota disc. And all of these are used in different environments for different reasons and things like that. So, some of those bigger tips are heavier, which is nice because, again, Um, there's more restriction or what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you're traveling along a snow bank, it might not go straight through the snow. It has a little bit more resistance. That's the word I'm looking for uh, because it's a wider, larger cane tip. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of those smaller ones are going to be made out of metal or ceramic. They're going to provide a really nice sound feedback. So the cane tips, very interchangeable. It's a client preference, whatever they like, and they may like different ones in different environments. So again, on that Um, sandy beach, you might want something different than when you're traveling at the mall. That makes a lot of sense.
1: The tips I decided to get when I was at Leader Dog, I got the ceramic tip that makes the noise. And I also got the, uh, I guess they call it the moon, the marshmallow one. Yeah. Because like if you're walking, they go through the cracks. You don't get hung up in the sidewalk when you got those cracks in it. So it kind of glides over thing. So uh, that's the tips I got from my cane.
0: Timothy, do you have any funny stories on different types of weather you've traveled in? I know you mentioned earlier about how you had the film crew there in the winter, and that was the biggest snowstorm. So do you have any funny stories from then or from any other time?
1: Well, that day we had the snow was my first day I ever walked with glacier in the snow on the sidewalk. So uh, that was an experience because as I was walking, I experienced a couple of times I walked on some ice. And uh, I almost slipped and fell. So you, you got to be really conscious of what you're doing. And we ran around town that day and, and I, got, I didn't want to go back to the vehicle. They said, hey, you, you want us to walk back? I said, how about you all just pick me up? I'm not going nowhere. I am not used to this stuff. I really am not. So next time it snows, I've got that in the back of my head that it's going to be a little bit different than it's just a regular day. So the clients have got to be somebody like me who's not used to walking in snow. We've got to be very observant of where we're walking and uh, feel with our feet. And uh, that was another tool that I learned last week, that time.
2: Exactly. And the, the other thing to think about, too, is different equipment that we use, you know, when traveling. So as an instructor and as a client or whoever out in the adverse weather conditions, You know, you're thinking about the booties for the dog, whether that be for the really cold weather or for the rain. Another thing to think about is an umbrella. You know, you do have a free hand. Is that something you want to use? Um, Another thing would be we have for our cane users, right? You can imagine and for our guide dog users, how cold your hand gets when it's exposed out there. And a lot of times clients don't like using a super thick glove because you can't get as much feedback through your hand. Um, so thinking about different things, a lot of times our instructors now are actually wearing heated vests that you actually like Ooh. plug in and charge, right, to stay warm when they're out there in the in the cold so frequently and for so long. Um, another thing that we use in the kind of like icy conditions that you mentioned there are called Yak Tracks, or I think that's one of the brands anyways, but they're basically things you can put on the bottom of your shoes to give you a little bit more grip. They kind of have like little pokey things that stick out. Those are incredibly helpful when you're out traveling in icy conditions. So really doing some research and finding out what proper weather gear is going to be helpful and make travel a little bit easier is definitely something to look into.
1: You can also get those cooling vests for your dogs for like if it's really hot outside, you put water in it and it gives that evaporation and they stay really cool while uh, you're out there and about. So that's another good thing you can get your dog.
0: Wow. These are things I would have never thought thought about. I mean, I just go out in the weather and run to my car. (laughs) You know, that's basically nowadays. I mean, I thought about them when I was a reporter, but nowadays it's just sprinting to my car as fast as I can. Um, But I think those are all great things. And I want one of those heated vests, by the way. Um, So I'm going to look into that because I'm cold all the
1: time. We'll put that request in
2: Absolutely. All right. Well, hopefully this helps answer some of those questions about traveling in adverse weather, whether that be super hot, cold, rainy, all of those different things. So we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our short episode of Taking the Lead. Again, I'm your host, Leslie Hoskins, with hosts Timothy Cunio and Christina Heppner. We hope you enjoyed our episode and join us next time as we continue to share stories uh, and educate about the world of blindness. And if you like today's
0: podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcast stream.